make his face shine upon and be gracious to you. The Lord turned his face towards you and give you be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He is for you, 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 he is for you.
Father of God, be your promises. Well, good Thank morning, you, everyone, and welcome to Disciples House. Please, please be seated, and uh, we'll get started here uh, with the announcements. So, well, me and Pastor Robbie went to uh, uh, Brother Randy's uh, conference down in Pensacola this week, and it was wonderful. The weather was great. The, the preaching was awesome, and uh, we got a lot out of it. So thank, thank you all for making that possible. Yep. So uh, we did bring back some, uh, some CDs, uh, some new CDs of Brother Randy's uh, that are available back there on the, on the, in the, back there in the, in the uh, bookstore. Uh, purpose or Pursue Love is one of nice. them. Uh, it's teaching on uh, that, that the spiritual gifts, we should desire them, but first we should pursue love. And, and so thought that was pretty cool because we've been teaching on that. So, yeah. And then uh, building the spiritual temple. So it just teaches you how to, how to build the, the spiritual temple according to the word of God and the plan of God. Nice. And it's not a building. You're right. It's not a building. It's, it's us. Yes. Right. All right. Uh, be aware of the spiritual realm. If you're, if you're not sure what all that involves, then this is a good one for you. Yep, yep, there is a spiritual realm, and the Bible tells us that God is a spirit, and we are spirits, and we have a soul and a body. So that teaches on that. Uh, and if you're, if you're really new, uh, how, how do I know I'm a Christian? Uh, yeah. If you don't need this, some of your friends might. Yes. Yep, because, you know, you've got to be sure. If you're not sure, you definitely want to get this and listen to it. All right. The greatest need in the church today. Anybody know what that is besides Derek? Because <laughs> I already asked him. Forgiveness. No, and besides you. So, what would you do? We didn't hear what you. What is it? <laughs> okay, so does anybody know what the, uh, what the uh, greatest need in the church today is? Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a good one. Renewing the mind. Yes, you have to renew the mind with the written, with the written word of God. And we've been, teach, we've been teaching on that as well. And and no, we don't we don't get our teaching from Brother Randy, but it is nice when our teaching and his teaching lines up. Amen. It means we're both hearing from the Spirit. So, and I just want to make you aware those are these all these are we have multiple copies and they're all all back there in the back. Right, true, and they're free to anybody that wants them. So if you if you want them, go ahead and grab them, and uh, even if you just want to give it to somebody else. So, praise God, we. It's, we, we, we do that so that we can bless people and get the word in people's hands because that is necessary. You can't renew the mind if you don't have the word in your hand. Yep. All right. So uh, other, other uh, announcements. So starting uh, February 1st, we're going to start doing our foundations classes where we're going to teach on uh, basic Christian language, the different Bible translations, how to study your Bible, different study tools, how the scriptures all come together uh, so that it's not so that you, 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 it won't be confusing to you because, you know, some people say that the Bible can, contradicts itself and that it's confusing, and, but it doesn't. Not if you study it as a whole. All right. And much more. All right. So, but that starts February 1st at 7 p.m. That's going to be in place for our Wednesday night service. So if, uh, if you're used to coming on Wednesdays, great. Keep coming. If you're not used to coming on Wednesdays, hey, this is a good time to start. All right. Now, uh, so, and then February uh, 4th, we're going to have prayer for the nation. That's going to be our, our 
first Saturday of the month at 8 a.m. We pray for the nation and uh, because Lord knows the nation needs prayer. And our prayers are effective when we come together and we pray in faith as a group. Our prayers are effective and they do make a difference. So we do that every month and uh, praise God we're going to make a change in this in this nation. All right. So February 12th is going to be our soup and chili fellowship right after service. Uh, just uh, if you so not everybody has to bring a pot or a soup of chili, but but we are well like if one per family, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so bring a pot of ch soup or chili, your favorite, whatever you like making, and then uh, along with any sides that you usually have with it, and then we're going to provide the drinks and the plates and the bowls and the cups and stuff like that. All right. Oh. Okay, and maybe bring some antacids. Maybe the maybe maybe the church will supply those. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna bless we're gonna bless it, and it's all gonna be nourishing for the body, right? Okay. So, and then March tenth, of course, youth camp deposits are due. Uh, if you if you're planning on going to youth camp, make sure your deposits your hundred dollar deposits are they are a hundred dollars this year, right? Okay, hundred dollar deposits are in by. By March 10th, so that we can get them in in time uh, to be on time for that. Yep. And then coming up also in March is the next uh, Randy Greer uh, Contending Faith Bible Conference, and that'll be in Gatlinburg, Tennessee this time. So if anybody wants wants any information on that, they can get with me or Pastor Robbie, or they can get to rme or, or rgm.me uh, and they'll and get that information. And uh, they do have a group rate for the hotels, so. Um, you just got to, yeah, check with us before you make reservations because it, it is a pretty good discount usually. All right. And then, all right, so meditation for the week. So our in him for this week is Galatians 4, 7, and we're reading it out of the Amplified Contemporary. Uh, it says, uh, therefore, you are no longer a slave, bondservant, but a son or daughter. And if a son, then it follows that you are an heir by the aid of God through Christ. All right, so our confession, I am no longer a slave to sin. I am a son or daughter. Yeah, don't get confused on that. That's a whole other issue. <laughs> I am a son or daughter. There you go. And an heir an heir. An heir of God <laughs> through Christ. Oh, praise God for your humor. He does have a sense of humor. All right. So our healing scripture for this week is 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and 20 out of the uh, Young's Living Translation. Literal translation. Okay. I don't know. There's so many translations. Right. Gotcha. Anyways, <laughs> we're going to learn about that in foundations class. <laughs> All right. Yep, I'm just turning bright red, I can tell. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It, the, the scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 19 and 20 says, Have ye not known that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit in you, have ye, have ye, which ye have from God? And ye are not your own, for we are brought, bought with a price. Glorify then 
God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, our confession, my body is the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. Which is from God. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. Therefore, I glorify God in body, in spirit, for they are his. Praise God. All right. Well, let's pray for the service. Lord, we thank you for being here with us. We know that whenever two or three are gathered in your name, you are in our midst. And we thank you for being here with us because we are gathered here in your name and for your name and for your word. We come with open hearts and open minds and we come, good, we come as good ground for the sowing of your, your word, for the sowing of the seed of your word in our lives. That it grow and bear fruit in our lives and the lives of those we come in contact with. Lord, we just know that you're going to bless us and that you're going to give us the word that's just right for us right here, right now. Because we came expecting to hear from you. And we will hear from you. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the ability to rebuke the devourer. Satan, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You will not take this word. It will fall on good ground, and it will grow in my life and the lives of the people here hearing it. And the people online hearing it. Lord, we just love you. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for, for looking out for us throughout the week and for, for making our lives, or, or giving us joy and giving us peace and helping us to stand in the storm that is out there. Lord, we just thank you. You're a mighty God, and you're greater than those that are out there, and you're greater than those that come against us. And since we have you in us, we will stand. We thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, disciples. I'll also stand up and do our confession together. I am the, the image, image of God. God. I, I am spirit, spirit and flesh. flesh. I, I am very good. I am, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation, a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen. I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer, and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you.
Can we have, uh, you got it? I have no keys. Can we have keys, please? There they glory, are. Glory, glory, glory to you, Father God. Words can never say how much you know my name you call me lovely no one ever sees the way you look at me you see me holy words have never hold this love that fills my soul
promises we have, the promises we sang of, the blessings through Father God. Glory. Let us never forget. Glory. You are true to your word, Father God. You are not a person that would lie. Glory, glory, glory. Praise to you, Father God. Praise to you, Father God. Praise to you, Father God. Glory, 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 glory. Praise the Lord. Glory, Praise the Holy Let's go to let the river fall. Let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we are the ones called by your name. The almost of now as we pray. Renounce in every sin and wicked way. We lift our voice, speak your face
Father God. Father, we receive the moving of your spirit. Father, we receive the spirit operating in this moment and in this day and in this hour. Father, we give you glory and honor, Father. Father, for your fire was poured out there on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. And, Father, that was the former rain. But, Father, we're looking to the latter rain. Father, for the latter rain has not yet been poured out. The latter rain has not yet been fulfilled. Father, we're looking to the day when the gifts of the Spirit will be in full operation. And, yes, Lord, you gave us a word this week that they would begin to take place, that creative miracles were going to, were, were beginning. And, Father, that that we have been praying for and that which we have been looking for and that which we have been crying to you for, Father, you would begin to pour it out because it had not yet been poured out because your people did not yet qualify. And so, Father, we thank you that you now see people qualified to flow in those gifts, Father God. Father, we thank you that the gifts are beginning to flow. And, Father, we thank you for the tongue and the interpretation and the word of prophecy. Father, we thank you for the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and the discerning of spirits. Father, we thank you for that special gift of faith that brings the working of miracles, signs, and wonders, and divine healings, including creative miracles, meaning body parts and body pieces being replaced and restored and made brand new. Father, we thank you for creative miracles taking place. And, Father, we thank you that as we prepare to approach the Word, we prepare our hearts, Father God, to receive that which you have this morning. Yes, Lord, I heard you speak, and I'll declare it. And, Father, I thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. amen. You may be seated. During the first song of worship, you heard me give out a little shout because I heard the word speak something. And it's a word of knowledge, word of knowledge. Uh, what is a word of knowledge? A word of knowledge is when the Spirit uh, gives you a word uh, for somebody, um, and that, and it's just that. It's just a word of knowledge. In other words, and words of knowledge deal with the present or the past. Words of wisdom deal with the future. And sometimes, in fact, very often, we will be looking for the for the spectacular, and we'll miss the supernatural. Amen. And the Father said this. Father said, and I, and I, I know for fact that this pertains to at least one person in the room, for fact. I know for fact this pertains to one person in the room, but I also believe that it pertains uh, possibly to more and possibly to people online. They hear this message live or later, but this is what the Father said. He said, if you're looking or waiting for an emotion to follow me, you'll never do it. If you're looking for a feeling or an emotion to follow me, you will never do it because I am not an emotional God, and I am not the God of emotions. I am the God of faith. In other words, you're going to have to make the choice. You're going to have to make the decision. You're going to have to decide whether I feel goosebumps or not, whether I feel warm fuzzies or not, whether I'm excited to do it or not. No matter what my emotions say, I'm going to follow God this day. You're going to have to make the choice. It's not God is not, uh, I heard him saying it just, just a moment ago. He said, I'm not the God of witchcraft. I'm not the God of witchcraft. See, the God of witchcraft, which is Satan, is he'll get a hold of your emotions, and he'll twist your emotions so that you'll emotionally do his will. 
that God is not the God of witchcraft. He's not the God that's going to take your emotions and tweak them and twitch them and turn them so that you'll do his will. No, because if God did that, you wouldn't be doing it of your own free will and choice. You would be doing it through manipulation, which is witchcraft. Through witchcraft. No, when push comes to shove, when your feelings don't line up, when the sickness attacks, you're going to have to decide, am I listening to the sickness or am I going to listen to what my Father God says? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You back this up with the word. God always speaks by the word. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith. He's the God of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Or we can say it this way, and we do no harm to the scriptures in any way, shape, or form. We walk by faith, not by emotion. Not by emotion. Not according to what we feel. Because your emotions are based on what you see. That's what influences your emotions, is what you see around you. And so if you're going by what you feel, if you're going by what you what, what's going on on the inside emotionally, then you're never going to follow God. It's never going to happen. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I, I have this desire, I have this want to, but I just can't make the... Why can you not make the choice? You can't make the choice because you don't feel like making the choice. Well, get over it. You ain't never going to feel it. What does that mean as a Christian? I can't have any feelings? Oh, no, I have feelings. No, because... God created us in his image. He has emotions. He's right. just not ruled by his emotions. Right. And he expects us not to be ruled by our emotions right. either. We have to learn to control our emotions. We have to learn not to, because listen, if you are controlled by your emotions, you're going to be tossed to and fro everywhere you go. You're going to be up one minute, down the next. You know what they call that? They call that bipolar. Or waffling. Or, or, or uh, uh, you know, that great depression. One minute you're depressed, the next minute you're high. You know, you're, why? Because it's, you're being waved by your emotions. Now, don't get me wrong. Some people, and some people do have an actual chemical imbalance in their brain that causes that. I understand that. And, yes, they need medical care. And but some a people lot just of start times, controlling themselves. Right. A lot of times that, that thing has manifested in their physical body because they were tossed to and fro by their emotions to begin with, and, and the devil's gotten in there and put that sickness on them. So a lot of times, if you'll deal with the, with, with the flesh, and if you'll deal with the devil, uh, you'll, you'll overcome that sickness. You know, sickness comes, we know where sickness comes from, all sickness is a result of sin. Now, don't get crazy, or if I've got sickness in my body, then I've sinned. That's not always true. But it's the first place you need to check. It's the first place you need to check. When sickness attacks my body, the first thing I do is I say, Father, is there some unrepented sin that's opened this door? Because the reality is the sickness comes from sin. Now, if the Father says, no, you're good, this is just an attack of the devil to get you out of my will, then okay, then I know that I'm good. But if the, de but if the Lord tells me, well, yeah, you, uh, you know, you got to talking wrong, 
You got to speaking wrong. You got to looking at everybody. You got to looking at everybody around you that was sick, and you got over into fear, and then you started saying, well, I guess everybody else is sick, so I guess I'm going to get sick too. Well, how much you know? I've just opened some doors, and now I've got to repent. Now I've got to change my thinking. I've got to I've got to change the way I've been having. I've got to tell the Father, forgive me and forgive myself. And then I've got to start walking this thing out. But now the sickness is attached, so now I've got to deal with the sickness. Uh, I've got to deal with the consequences. Now, does that mean that I have to stay sick? No. On that note, just reminded me. We need to pray for Brother Mari and not saying that he's got any open sin in his life. I was just talking about sickness. And he's homesick. He's got pink eye and some sinus stuff and some stomach stuff going on. And so we need healing for him. Uh, Mr. Steve and Miss Deborah are not in the house this morning. They both had planned to be in the house this morning. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, but they are not in the house this morning because Steve went on a hike over in Blood Mountain earlier this week. And he took about a 20-foot spill off the mountain. Uh, and he picked himself up, got himself home, and he was taking some pain medicine, what have you. Well, it got to where, you know, because, what is it, three days later you feel the worst of it. Well, in the middle of the night it hit, and they spent most of the night, most of the morning in the ER. Ooh. It appears currently he's just banged up and bruised up real good, and they've given him some pain medicine. He got real good and chewed out for not going to the ER sooner and things like that. Uh, but it doesn't appear that there's anything broken, praise the Lord. Uh, so we need to pray for him for divine healing and for both of them to get the rest that they need. Uh, but they did reach out and said, we both planned to be there this morning, but this is what happened, and that's why we're not here. Uh, so we'll, let's just pray for them real quick. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, you, you've you heard the case of, of Mari and of Steve and Miss Deborah. You've heard that they're, that they're all uh, dealing with being sleep-deprived and sickness upon Mari's body and Steve's body. And so, Father, by faith, we just stretch out our hands to them. We know there's no distance in the spirit. We stretch out our hands. We lay our hands on them by faith. We call them healed and whole. We command the bones to be healed. We command the bones to be strengthened. We command the blood to stop flowing from places it should not flow uh, because of bruises and things like that and to, to flow and operate as it should. We command all swelling, inflammation to be gone, all pain to leave. We command the eyes to be cleared, the sinuses to be cleared, the stomach issues to be cleared. Uh, Father, we just thank you for divine healing from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. Father, your word says that we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So, Father, by faith we do that in the spirit. And, Father, we thank you that they're divinely healed, quickly recovered, and that they come into the house next week with a divine testimony in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. So you can pray for somebody just that quick. You just handle it right there in the moment. But the Lord said, back to this, back to we walk by faith. See, we're walking by faith. We believe that God said, yep, laid hands on them. Now, when I lay, when I say I lay hands on them in the spirit, I picture my hand being laid on their body. Amen. And, and, and that sickness and the healing power of God flowing through my hand into their body and them being healed. Uh, I picture that. What am I doing? I'm walking by faith. Not by what I physically see, because honestly, by what I physically see, my brain says, well, that didn't do a darn thing. Let's just be honest. My brain says, well, that didn't do anything. Number one, you weren't there presently. Number two, they don't even know that you prayed. Number three, I mean, do you really think that God's going to reach through and there's no distance in the spirit? Yes, I do. I really believe it. 
Why do I really believe it? Because I choose to. Because I choose to. The Bible says it, that I believe it, that settles it. That's the mindset that you have to get to. You've got to get to the place where you decide, well, the Bible said I could lay hands on the sick and that they were going to recover, so guess what? If I lay hands on them, then guess what? They ain't got no choice but to recover. They ain't got no choice but to recover. Now, they can do stuff to mess it up, and that's between them and God. You know, God told us to go preach to the nation. God told us, he said, I want you to set up the disciples' house. I want you to, he said, I want you to preach. He said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll fill the house. Well, I look around. Well, Lord, the house ain't full. He said, is that your part? Your, your part? And I said, no. He said, then don't worry about it. You know, he sent Brother Randy to England. And he told Brother Randy, he said, I want you to go preach to the nation of England. And he said, Brother Randy said, Lord, I ain't never been out of the United States. What do you mean you want me to go preach to the, uh, other than Canada? What do you mean you want me to go preach to the, he said, the nation doesn't even know I exist. He said, I'm going to open some doors for you, son. So long story short, God supernaturally opened some doors. He went to a meeting, man he never knew, he never met, went through a crowd of people to get to him to say, hey, I need you to come to England. Boom, they went. So he went to England, and uh, they did a series of meetings there. And uh, other, uh, <laughs> the most compliment he got was you butchered the Queen's English. <laughs> I mean, Brother Randy, if you know him, you know he, did, he butchered it. Uh, and, uh, and, and he had probably at most about a total of about 300 people that he had ministered to. Now, is that the nation? No, that's not the nation. And so he kind of got disgruntled at God and kind of aggravated at God and mad at God and said, well, God... You told me to come preach to the nation, and the nation ain't here. He said, in fact, he said, not only is the nation not here, but the queen got up and went to Canada while I was here. He was kind of mad at the Lord about it. And the Lord told him, he said, son, he said, did you do what I told you to do? He said, yes, Lord, I came to England and I preached. He said, is that not your part? He said, yes, Lord, that's my part. He said, that's all that matters, son. He said, I told you to come and to preach, and you did it, so you're good. He said, now I'll deal with the nation because they chose not to show up. He said, I'll, I'll deal with the nation. How many of you know England's in a mess right now? England's in a mess. England's in a mess because he came with a warning. He came with a warning that they needed to get right with God, and they didn't come in here, and they didn't get right. Anyways, as I was saying, we walk by faith and not by sight. To walk with God is a choice. It's a choice. Now, this dovetails right into today's message, uh, which is GEPC. GEPC, develop the character of God. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. How do you spell Christian? Nope. Nice try, though. How do you spell it? Everybody's like, I don't know. I would have expected somebody would have at least said C-H-R-I. No, that's wrong, too. C-H-R-I-S-T. No, 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 no. Christ in me. Write this down. Write this down. I'm going to tell you how to spell Christ. It's real easy. Real easy. Are you ready? You write it down. You ready? Amen. You got your notes? Okay. You probably need to write this down. You probably need to text this in your phone, since how you don't bring your Bible and your notebook anymore. You probably need to text this in your phone. You need to write this down. This is how you spell Christian. Are you ready? Capital W, capital W, capital O, 
Capital oh, gotcha. R, capital K. Hmm, interesting. Work. You spell Christian as work. To be a Christian, it takes work. It takes work. So many people believe that when they come into Christ, they get to just lay down on flowery beds of ease, and the cherry, the wind's going to blow, and cherries off the ripe cherry tree's just going to fall on them, and they're just going to lay there and catch them. That is not how Christianity works. Christianity is work. Go to James. James. Chapter 4. All righty. Now, let me tell you a little something about James. I really love James. James is real bold. Yeah, I love him, too. (laughs) I really love James. He's real. uh, The the St. James is uh, real bold. He's real up front. He's in your face. And he just tells you like it is. Now, many people don't know this, but James was the brother of Jesus. Yep. James was the brother of Jesus. I think that James probably took his cue from Jesus when it came to being bold and in your face. I think he probably took... Now, a lot of theologians believe that James did not believe that his brother was the Christ, was the Messiah, until after Jesus rose from the dead. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. But James obviously got it together enough so one of his letters ended up in the Bible. So I think that uh, James, having a having known Jesus very personally, uh, probably has some good information for us. Amen. Uh, and James, chapter four, verse seven. Now there's a whole lot in James that we could take, but we got to get over to GEPC. I'll explain that in a minute. So I'm just taking some little excerpts out of here. But but James chapter four, verse seven says this. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submitting is a choice. Submitting is a choice. How much do you know? Oh, goodness gracious, Holy Ghost, you get me in trouble a lot of times. It's all right. How much do you know? Everybody says, oh, husband and wife, the man's the head of the house. You women, you submit. I don't care how that man behaves. That man can behave like the devil, but you submit. That's not what the Bible says. No. The Bible says that the husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves the church and as they are as the wives are loved as they are as Christ loves the church the women will choose the wife will choose to submit the wife will choose having been a wife for 32 years working on our 33 year 33rd year uh um I can assure you uh I'm redheaded, I'm hard-headed, I've got my own mindset. Um, I am not going to willingly lay down to no devil. My husband has, if I'm going to submit to my husband, I'll do it because he loves me with the love of God. And my husband does love me with the love of God, and he treats me like a queen. He does. He takes very good care of me. He takes very good care of my family. He listens to me. You know, I, I'm, I'm a person that I see certain things. That, I mean, I'm a woman of God. I, I've got wisdom and knowledge. And we'll, be, we'll have a situation. We'll have to make a decision. 
And and it's just so easy for us to make it. It's it's got. It wasn't always this way. It was not always this way, because once upon a time I was like, boy, huh? You, you ain't following God. I'm doing things my way. Blah 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 blah. And then, well, you're following God, but I know God better. Well, we're doing it my way. I'm just being honest. I'm being honest. I'm being honest. Because if you're not honest, it doesn't help you. Then it got to where, okay, I trust, and then God said, uh, hello, that's not how you behave, wife. Okay, well, get him, get him going in the right direction, God. He said, I'm working on it, just leave him alone. Okay, God, I'm being honest. Get him going in the right direction, and he's going in the right direction. He's making the right choices, but I just want, I still just want to have my way. And the Lord got all over me, and the Lord dealt with me about it. He said, you're trying to twist and manipulate. He said, that's not who I am. That's not who you're to be. Okay, God. And so finally, one day I said this to my husband, by the unction of the Holy Ghost, God was helping me and helping him at the same time. I said, here's my deal, honey. I said, I know that you hear from heaven. I know that you hear from God. I know that you pray. I know that you don't make decisions lightly. I understand all of that. But my personality is a personality that needs to be heard. That's my personality. I need to be heard. I grew up feeling like I wasn't heard, and now I need to be heard. And I said, so if you'll just listen to my point of view on the situation and then just say, honey, I hear you, and I'll take it to prayer, then I'll trust that you'll take it to prayer and that you'll make the right choice, and then I won't say another word on the subject. Because if he'll take my opinion and he'll go to the Father... The father will tell him if I'm right or wrong. And then he'll base and then he'll do that decision. Base his decision on what the father tells him. Well, guess what? We do that now and life's very easy now. But I had to get to the but the Lord told me this. He said, You he the Lord got on to me and the Lord said, He's going he's gonna do the right thing by you. He loves you. Oh, okay. How much do you know? I never heard that before then. I never heard the Lord get on to me and say, now, stop it. He's going to bring it to me. But when Michael got to the place of loving God and loving me, God said, now it's time to submit. And I said, okay. And now we've gotten to the point where a lot of times I don't even give him my opinion. I just, you handle it because I know he's going to hear from heaven. But submitting, is, and I said all that to say this, submitting is a choice. The devil wants to control you. The devil, your enemy, the thief, the accuser of the brother, he wants to control you. And if he can he get your emotions riled up, it's hard to submit when your emotions are right. riled up. That's why we say you're not to be ruled by right. your emotions. He, the devil wants to twist you and get you all emotional so that you'll do things his way. But submitting to God, but, but see, when you get the understanding that God has a plan for your life, when you understand that God only wants what's best for you, when you understand that God's only going to lead you into the good things of life, when you understand that with God you cannot fail, when you understand with God that no matter what comes your way, you've already overcome the problem. When you when learn you, to trust God. Right. If when you, you trust in God to do the right thing for you, it becomes easy to submit. Right. When you get to that place of trust, then you go... Father, I throw up my hands, and I, you know better than I do. Yes, Lord. 
you say, Father, not my want. Not what I want emotionally. Not what I want mentally. Not Because, listen, your brain will get you into all kinds of trouble. You think you can figure out how to handle situations? I got news for you. All you'll do is put yourself in a hot mess. Uh, put yourself in a hot mess. I mean, it'll make good sense to you in your head. But then you go to put it into action, and somewhere along the way, it blows up in your face, and then you're like, ah! And God said, I told you not to do that. How much you know? God told me not to go to the small gas station, remember? Y'all remember that? A couple years ago, I was so dog tired. I was just exhausted coming home from camp, and we needed gas in the car. And God said, that's fine, get gas, but don't get in a small gas station. He said, don't get in the, no, now see, she said, thank you. Well, God said, don't back, no, I didn't submit to God. God told me, don't get in the small gas station. And the reason was, was because Mike was following me with the truck and the trailer, and I was trying to navigate the, I was trying to make sure that he could get, get me, I was trying to get me out of the way so he could get the truck and trailer in and get turned around and what have you. And I was thinking in my head how he was going to drive the truck and trailer, and I was more focused on that than what was going on in my car. And I ran the side door of my car right into one of those stupid pump guard things and crunched the door of my car. And, got, and now, had I gone to a big gas station, I wouldn't have been thinking about the truck and the trailer. I would have just pulled in and let him figure it out. But because I was trying to do it my way, bam, <laughs> took out the car door. Thank God for insurance. And thank God for the mercy of a husband because I thought, because the car was, what, a year old? Not even a year old. And I, oh, my husband, what did my husband do? He loved me with the love of Christ. He came over. He said, he said, what are you breaking down? You know, I thought, oh, my God, we're going to have an explosion right here. And he just, he said, well, honey. She's thinking that for good reason. This is the first new car we've had since we first got married. When we first got married, I was like, okay, we need to get a car because that's what you do when you get married. You get a new car. So we got a new car, and she wrecked it. I did not wreck it. Somebody else wrecked it. I just just Before we made the first payment. I was driving, somebody else hit me. Well, somebody else hit you, but she got in an accident, and it was totaled before the first payment was ever made on it. And, so this so, is and, a, and I was like, that is never happening we're again. Never we're never getting another, another brand again. new car. Because, of course, the insurance doesn't pay for the whole thing. They only pay for what? Because yeah, it depreciated like $10,000 yeah. when you pulled that, out, of the, that was pre, uh, pulled that out was, of the parking lot. That was pre-gap uh, insurance days. In fact, it's probably my fault that we now have gap insurance. Let's just face it. In any case, so in any case, so I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, this is going to be awful. He comes over in the love of God. Honey, is anybody hurt? No. He hugs me. He said, honey, it's just a car. It's what we have insurance for. It'll be fine. It's okay. Jesus has got it. I'm like, but I just obeyed the spirit. You did what? Honey, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. God will fix it. And God did fix it for us. Praise the Lord. But how much do you know? Submitting is a choice. Submitting is a choice. He said, submit yourself, therefore, to God. But I thought we were talking about work. We are. We are? How okay. much do you know? It takes work to submit. Right. Well, it, it takes work to choose not to drive into the... Because let me tell you, let me tell you why I drove into the small gas station. Let me tell you why. The car kept going, get gas, get gas, get gas, hello, get gas. 
you, you took the long way around. You took the back road, and there's no big gas stations. You're going to run out of gas, and then you're going to be in a... What did I do? I got into my emotions. And one of the emotions was the emotion of fear of what if I run out of gas? What if I did run out of gas? I got the guy following me with the truck. Don't you think he can go get me gas? Like, this is how stupid fear is. But it got me emotional, and because I was emotional, I failed to submit to God. It takes work to submit. Now, do y'all know what work is? Okay, well, here's the, de- here's the definition of work. It's physical or mental effort or activity directed toward the production or accomplishment of something. So when we're working towards these towards being a Christian, it takes physical or mental effort. Yes. Towards the towards becoming a Christian and following God. To follow it's, it's God. It's not just going to fall off the like she said. It's not just going to fall off the tree and hit you in the head. To follow God, you are going to make you are going to have to make physical and mental decisions and exert physical and mental energy to be a Christian. It's going to take work. So one of the things that takes work is submitting to God. As you submit to God, then you have to resist the devil. Now, resisting sounds more like work. Resist? Well, submitting for me, it was hard. Because I was taught, boy, you better stand on your own two feet and you better just handle it. You you handle it. Submitting for him, well, in that household, everybody submitted to dad whether you wanted to or not. That was a household issue. Uh, but resisting the devil. What does it mean, resist the devil? It means exactly that. Put up a thing and say, mm, I'm not going to do it. Talk to the hand. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief, which is Satan, comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But uh, in John, 1 John, I believe it is, might be 2 John, the Bible tells us that we that Jesus has caused us to overcome him that is in the world. For greater is in, greater in us, right, Jesus is in us, so the greater one is in us. Jesus told us to sin. He said, Jesus came preaching, repent, which means change your direction, change your flow, change the way you're going, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change. So Satan, he is, Satan has already been defeated. The thief has already been defeated. The destroyer of your life has already been defeated. The one that's coming to kill you is already defeated. The only way that he can do any of those things, the only way that he can still kill or destroy your life is if you allow him. And you allow him by submitting to him. Now, let me make this very clear. The spirit realm is very real, and you are going to submit to either Satan or you're going to submit to God. There is no in-between. You're either going to follow Satan and his will and his desires and his path, or you're going to follow God and his path. You're going to submit to one or the other because they are the supreme rulers of the spirit realm. They are. Now, a lot of people say, well, God's in control of this world. No, God's not in control of this world. Satan is the God of this world. 
God created this world. He gave power and authority and dominion to man. Man through Adam, mankind through Adam, gave that power, authority, and rule over to Satan. And so Satan has a lease on the earth until Jesus returns. Now, however, Jesus defeated Satan at the cross and in the grave and was raised from the dead. And he took his, and he took, went in that position of in the grave, he, took, he stripped Satan of all of his authority, all of his power, all of his might, all of his dominion. He took back the keys of the kingdom. And then Jesus, once he had all that authority, he came back and he said, in my name, you have all that power, authority, might, and ability. But if we don't use the name, if we don't, uh, if we don't exercise authority over Satan, Satan is going to rule because he's a criminal and that's what criminals do. Plain and simple. That's what they do. If you don't put them in there, if you don't confine them, they were going to run rampant. So you have to resist them. How do you resist? It starts with taking control of your thoughts. And it's, it's work. It's work to resist. You know, in order to resist, you have to stand against the tide. How many, how many have ever uh, canoed on, on, a, on one of these rivers around here? If you're going downhill, if you're going downstream, it's, it's easy. It's no, no work at all. In fact, you don't even have to paddle, going. except maybe to steer a little bit. But, but now, how many knows that, that the Bible tells us that, that the path to destruction is wide and easy and, and, and downhill even? So we're, we're called to go uphill. We're called to go upstream. So when you're paddling upstream, you know, it's work. It's hard. You got you got to get anywhere, you got to paddle hard. You got to work and it doesn't stop. If you if you stop if you stop resisting the flow of the river, you're going to start going downstream. Yeah. You've got to constantly resist. You've got to constantly be going against the flow that the world is following. The world's following the, the downhill flow. They the world's following downstream and they're going it's turned into a raging river, and you got to stay ahead of that. You got to resist, or you're going to get carried away. That's right. So it's always going to be work, but and, and that's why the Bible says you put on all of your armor of God. You put and and you and you stand. You resist. You do, you're standing against the flow of the world, against the flow, and you're going and and you can do it because He's there with you. He's making you strong. He's going to make you an overcomer. You are going to overcome. You can do this. You know, the world tells you, you can't help but to sin. You can't help but to go with us. That's not true. The Bible constantly tells us to resist, to stand, to turn, to repent. It's constantly to go and sin no more. Why would the Bible constantly say that if it's not possible? The devil is a liar. And his, and his and his lies can be sweet as honey, and they can make that he can tell you that it's all going to be peaches and cream, and and everything's going to be great, and you're going to have a good time, and you're missing out if you're going with those those Christian folks, you're missing out, you're missing out on the fun, you're missing out on the world, but you've got to tell it no, you've got to put it in its place and say no. Sometimes it's mental, sometimes it's physical, sometimes it feels worse. But you can do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Hard work always pays off. Hard work always pays off. And here's the deal. You've got to, like I said, 
you've got to take God at his word. And you can, I'm not going to lie. Listen, I used to drink. I'm not going to lie. In the moment, if you can get past the taste, because it tastes awful. Uh, but if you can get past the moment, if you can, in the moment, alcohol is fun. I'm not going to lie. I never lied to our teenagers. When we did youth ministry, I never lied to them. Alcohol in the moment, yeah, if you can get past the taste and you can put things in it to make it taste better, it, 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 it'll calm you, you'll relax you. You know, some people get happy, some people get get drunk, get, get angry, you know. But, you know, it takes all your inhibitions away, the things that you're afraid to do. It'll take that away temporarily. 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 But then comes the hangover. Then comes the addiction. Then comes it pulling the money out of your pocket night and day. Then comes uh, the, the, the wearing out of the body and all of these things. The destruction comes on the tail end. The destruction comes on the tail end. So what you have to do as a Christian is you, have, you, you can look at stuff, and when they say, oh, come on, it's not going to hurt you, the reality is, is in the moment, it might be okay. It might seem like it's okay. It might seem like it's okay, but I know where that road leads. The Bible tells me it leads to destruction and death. And I'm not willing to get on the road of destruction and death because I've gotten off of it, and I'm not getting back on. I'm not getting back on. So that's why resisting the devil. And notice it says, and now this is what James has said. Now this is the brother of Jesus. And James has proven this out. James watched his brother deal with the devil. James watched his brother willingly go to the cross and die and whip Satan and come back for 40 days on the earth, lived on the earth for 40 days and did signs, wonders, and miracles. He watched his brother ascend into heaven. He saw it, and he said this. He said this one thing. He said, if you'll submit to God like my brother did, if you'll resist the devil like my brother did, he said, the devil will leave you. There's no question what if it doesn't work. It will work. There is no what if. The devil loves for you to play the what if game. Refuse to play the what if game. Absolutely, with everything in you, refuse. Well, what if? I just checked out of here now by my own choice, and then I went to heaven, and it was all good. Well, the flip side of that is what if, because you just committed uh, unrepented murder of yourself, you don't go up, you go down. Now, I'm not saying that that's the case, because there's God's mercy and grace. But if you're going to play the what if game, play the other side of the coin. What if what God says is true, and you're just trying to destroy me? What if what God says is true, and if I resist you, you'll leave? What if what God says is true, and that path leads to destruction, Satan? No, don't get into that with him. Not only does that path lead to your destruction, but it leads to the destruction of your friends and family who That's love right. you. Because they're going to they're gonna play, they're going to start playing the what if game. What could I have done so that he or she wouldn't have done that? When the devil brings a temptation to me, I do not play the what if game. In fact, I do this right here. James chapter 1, verse 2. James 1, 2. My brethren or sister, count it all joy when you fall. I don't really don't like that word fall because you don't just, you're not just walking along and then poof, you fall over. Fall in a um, hole. But 
how much your temptations are going to come. He said, count it all joy when you fall or when you come into contact with different temptations. The reason that temptations come, listen to me, the reason that temptations come is because the devil's trying to take you out. And he's trying to take you out because he's trying to prevent you from fulfilling the will of God. So if you're walking along on the narrow street and here comes a temptation, a de the devil throws a log out in front of you, just step right over it. Count it, joy, step over it, and say, ha ha, I have an opportunity. Thank you, Satan, for that opportunity to use my faith. Opportunity. A temptation is nothing more than an opportunity to use your faith. Sickness comes. It's nothing but an opportunity to use your faith. Financial pressure comes. It's an opportunity to use your faith. Social pressure comes. It's an opportunity to use your faith. Whatever comes your way, it's an opportunity to use your faith. It's an opportunity to prove the word of God true. Count it joy when the devil comes against you because that means that the devil sees you as a threat. He sees you as a threat. So when he gets in your way, just, ha ha, devil, you heard us talk about it. We've done uh, the, the games, the, uh, the activities, uh, we've led the activities at camp for 20 years, and it never fails. As camp gets closer and closer, the schedule gets busier and busier. As camp gets closer and closer, bombs go off in the air. Uh, last year, the truck went down the week before Christmas. The transmission went. We had just had the transmission redone like three months earlier. There's no reason in this world for that transmission to go out. And five days before camp, the transmission goes out. Jesus, how are we going to get the trailer with all of the activities to camp? Because if we don't show up, man, that's going to mess camp up bad. Once upon a time, man, oh, man, we get in a fight, smack down, drag out, hair flying, fur flying. I mean, just, rah! you know what we did? We looked at each other and laughed, said, stupid devil. <laughs> well, God, what's the plan? We went into intercessory prayer, and God said, hey, we come pulling in the driveway. We come up to the church one day. And God said, look at that. I said, what, Lord? He said, look there. Miss Brooks going to camp. I said, yeah, Lord, what about it? He said, look at the back of her car. I said, what, Lord? He said, look at the back of her car. She just got in a new car, her new car. I said, what, Lord? He said, look. I, said, I looked at it. She got, she, I said, Pastor Mike, Miss Brooks going to camp with us. She got, a, she, got a, she got a hitch on the back of that car. I said, that's a heavy-duty car. I said, I bet it can pull. I said, the Subaru supposedly can pull it, but we're right there on the lawn, but her car is bigger than ours. How much you want to bet? So he said, well, I guess we'll pray and ask. We went and prayed. She, I mean, she worked it all out. She said, well, if I can't do it, then we'll get Dad's truck. <laughs> ah! She said, if I can't do it, we'll get Dad's truck. I said, well. I said, no, wait a minute. I said, I don't want to ask your dad that. I mean, because he wasn't in the church. I said, Dad, don't she? Oh, Dad would be fine. Yeah, we didn't even know him. <laughs> it worked out. It was hard enough for us to ask Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I said, it worked out. It all worked out. We took her car. It did great. No, praise God. How much you know God had a plan? Had a plan. He had a plan. He was looking out for us. He we had just had to plan. trust and rely on just him. Had to, so we just had to count it joy. Uh, 
Look at verse 5. Well, I just, I'm facing this situation. I don't know. And I'm skipping around because i got a whole lot of scriptures to get to. Well, I've got this situation. I don't know what to do. No Christian should ever say out of their mouth, I don't know. That's one thing. Well, you want to light up my righteous indignation. Just look at me and say, I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Amen. Look at scripture 5. Look at, script, look at verse 5. If any man, if any of you talking to the Christian, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and he giveth to all men liberally, in other words, above and beyond what you need, and upbraideth you not. God doesn't get mad. Well, you stupid child, why did you ask me for knowledge? I don't want to give you my knowledge. God doesn't do that. He says, oh, you want some knowledge? Here. And you're like, oh, wow, God, I didn't need to know the ins and outs of everything. But he will. He abradeth you not, and it shall be given him. If you don't know how to handle something, just take two minutes and say, Father, teach me. Teach me. So I did. Father, I don't get this Bible. Teach me. Don't you know the scripture says that, uh, that you have no need of any man to teach you anything, for the spirit that's in you teaches you all things? Now, does that mean that you don't need to listen to people? No. Because God's given wisdom to other people. But if somebody's not there to give you the knowledge, God will give it to you. God will help you. Or he'll put somebody in your path that does have the knowledge. You don't have to. Do, we're so dependent upon man's wisdom. Well, no man has wisdom unless God gave it to him. Glory to God. Look at verse 6 and 7. But, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Well, what if I ask God for knowledge and he doesn't give it to me? Did he not just tell you to ask him? Well, if he told you to ask him, why would he not give it to you? Amen. I mean, come on. The if game is so stupid. Not be, you're not stupid for playing the game. The game itself is a stupid game. Well, I mean, I see right here that God told me to ask for wisdom, but what if I ask and then he doesn't do it? What if I don't qualify? Did it say that you, you, need, that you had to do anything to qualify? No. Let's take God at his word. You take God at his word. Reminds me of this little joke. wasn't really a joke thing, but it was. Little boy come to church. He's got his Bible. It ain't but just a few pages in his Bible. Just a few pages. And the pastor asked him, he said, well, Johnny, he said, I think your Bible's missing a few pages. He said, no, sir, pastor, sir. He said, well, there's only a few pages in it. He said, how come? He said, well, sir, he said, every time you said, well, God didn't mean what he said, I just took that page out of my Bible. Oh. How much, you know, God means what he said. And there's no need to take anything out of the Bible. He said, but let him ask in faith. Faith, let me tell you what faith is. Faith is simply trusting God. Faith is simply saying, Father, I trust you. Father, you told me that I could ask for knowledge, so I trust that you're going to give me knowledge. Nothing wavering. In other words, don't play the if game. Don't play the if game. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. We were at the beach this week. How much you know the waves come in and they crash? 
and they come in and they crash. The wave's there one minute, gone the next. So one minute it's there, one minute it's gone. In, you know, up and down, up and down. The way, if you, if you will play the, if you will entertain the thoughts of the enemy or your own stupid stinking thinking, you will be taught, you'll, you're going you're gonna to get yourself in a mess. You have to get to the point where you say, God says it, I believe it, that settles it. That's it. That's it. Well, Pastor, how did you get to the place that you're, how did you get to the position where you could stand in the pulpit? I made the decision as a baby Christian. The word says it, that settles it, that's the way to do it, and I'm going to be done with it. That's it. That's the way it goes. Let's read the next verse. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Notice he said, don't let that man think. The one that's wavering. The one that's wavering. Don't think. Every week, Pastor Mike, uh, the greatest need in the church, the renewing of the mind. We've got to change our thinking. We've got to get our thinking to line up with the Bible. We've got to wash our thinking with the Word, and we've got to begin to think like the Bible thinks. Uh, if you're taking notes, a real good habit to get into, especially when you're first learning these things, is when somebody asks you a question, you need to say, hold on. Let me get out my brain, this book right here, let me get out my brain, and let me find out what my brain has to say on the subject, and I'll get back to you. Well, that just sound, that, that sounds like I'm getting rid of all of me. No, what you're doing is you're getting rid of all your stinking thinking. You're getting rid of the world's mentality, which is rooted and grounded in the thoughts of Satan. And you're getting the mind of Christ. You're getting the mind of Christ. Now, we're going to jump over to verse 22. He said, don't leave as you, as you get there, but he said, for let no man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. If you're wavering, you're not going to get it. If you're playing the what-if game, you're not going to get it because you have what you say. Well, what if God doesn't show up? Well, you've just completely, completely undone God showing up. So you, you can't think that way. You can't think, well, I prayed, but then I got into doubt, but God's going to override my doubt. No, God's a faith God. Look at verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. If, you, if all you will do is come to church, hear the message, and then go home and go about life like you never went to church, you're not, you're not going to walk as a Christian walks. You're, you're going yourself. to deceive yourself. I said in the beginning, to be a Christian means you do the work. That means you are a doer of the word. You know, we, we use these, these uh, rules of English or rules of language that E-R on the end of a word means that whatever word preceded the ER is what somebody does. A painter paints, a welder welds, a potter pots, they make pottery. Uh, 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 doctor, it's a, it's a different, it's a, instead of an ER, it's an OR, but guess what, there's still that ER, guess what, they doctor. <laughs> they, they, they work in the doctrine of med the doctor, under the doctrine of medicine. You know, a teacher, ER, teaches. You know, a truck driver drives a truck, you know. So what is a doer? A doer is one that does the word. We do what the word tells us to do. 
So what is it? So what is the work that a Christian is to do? The work of the Word. We do what the Word says. Because, and why do you need to be a doer? So that you're not deceiving yourself. Now, we're going to get into GEPC, which is Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Any, I, my personal opinion, once you receive Christ, once you become born again, you need to plant yourself in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You need to just plant yourself right there and get into those books and begin to do what those books tell you to do. Because if you'll get into those books right there, you'll begin to build the character of God in your life. I like to remember them this way. General education for proper conduct. Yep. General education for proper conduct. See, when you, when you first get born again and you become a Christian, you're like, okay, now what? Right. Now what These do I These are do? the books that are going to tell you and show you now what. They're going to show you how to act as a Christian, what you're supposed to be doing as a Christian, how, what you're not supposed to be doing as a Christian. It's going to tell you all of these things. These four books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, you can do it to one of two ways, either general education for proper conduct or God's education for proper conduct. Either way, the, either way Paul, in these four letters, addresses a lot of what they were doing that they shouldn't have been doing. He addresses a lot of the challenges that you're going to face as a Christian. And he's going to, and, and he's going to address what you now need to do as a Christian. And he also addresses that if you're the Christian that's still living very worldly and unchanged, uh, you may not be the Christian that you think you are, and you may not end up with the eternity that you think you're going to end up with. So uh, these four books right here are just the perfect place to plant yourself. And, you know, and I'm looking around the room, and I know there's a lot of y'all been following God for a long time. But I also know a lot about our characters, and we all, myself included, could benefit from planting ourselves in these four books and developing the character of God. Because there's a move of God that's coming that without the character of God, we will not, in fact, there was a word of prophecy given this week. The word of prophecy was given that if we will not humble ourselves, if we will not consecrate ourselves, commit ourselves, and dedicate ourselves that, that as, as believers of God for this move that's coming, that many Christians will dry on the vine. What does that mean? Remember, guys, Jesus said, uh, I'm the vine, I'm the you're the branches. Mm -hmm. God's the husbandman. In other words, there's going to be many people that are in the body of Christ that if they're not being doers of the word, their Christianity, they're, they're basically what's going to end up happening is they're going to become lukewarm. And the pressure of the world's going to become so tense and so great because the Bible warns that in the last days, many will depart the faith which means you have to be in faith in Christ. You've got to be in Christianity to depart from it. Many in the last days will turn away from their Christianity if they don't be a doer of the word. We've got to be a doer of the word. So let's start off right here in Galatians. In Galatians. I know when I planted myself here, and this was the advice that my pastor gave me when we first started, is he said, plant yourself in these four books. 
He said, plant yourself here. He said, read them, read them, read them, read them, do them, read them, compare them, read them. So let's go to Galatians chapter 1. We'll start right here. And Paul, of course, begins with a wonderful greeting. And I'm just going to pick and choose some things out of here uh, to kind of help you see um, the path that you need to be on. Uh, I want you to look at uh, chapter 1, verse 10. He said, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? This is a rough thing for many Christians. This is a rough thing for many pastors. Many ministers get off from the gospel because they want to please the people. Many people, many, many ministers, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to tell you right now, beware of ministers that are talking more politics than the word. If they're talking more politics than the word, they're in error. They've been deceived by false spirits. or Actually, really, they've been deceived by seducing spirits. Now, does that mean we don't talk about politics? No, I talk about politics to some degree. But I'm more concerned about the word than I am the politics. More concerned about it. But many people, because they're up in a heaval about politics, they want a pastor that's going to scratch that itch. Well, I'm not going to scratch that itch. We pray for the nation. We pray for the nation once a, once a month. We come together as a congregation, and we pray for this nation. And the Lord's revealed some things onto us. Remember last prayer session, the Lord revealed to us that we've got to speak and bind those demons that are in these political, not the people, but the, but the chair, the, the, that office. Those demons want those offices because those offices are offices of power. So we've been binding demons off of those seats of the president and the vice president and the speaker of the house and off the senate seats and the, and, and the supreme court we, we've been doing that so because god will hold the church accountable because so the church goes so goes the nation amen but he said he said uh or do i seek to please men for if i yet pleased men i should not be the servant of christ Many people want to be received by people, and therefore they'll let their Christianity go to the wayside. They'll compromise their Christianity. You can't do that. You can't do that. Uh, many people don't want to allow the Holy Ghost to flow in the church. I'm telling you, I can pack the church out. You want me to pack the church? I can pack, I can pack this church out next week. I can turn off the lights. We can get a big band in here that I mean are rock star music people. I can give a 20-minute fluffy feel-good message. I can go out here, pass out something. I mean, I can get people in the house now. But I'm also going to help them go to hell. And I'm not going to do that. Because it's, it's, not, it's not about pleasing man. It's not about itching the ears. It's about getting people ready for the coming of Christ. Amen. It's about getting people ready. So it's about being a servant to Christ. I want to serve Christ. You know, I said a couple of weeks ago, I love our veterans. My family, Michael's a veteran. We love veterans. We can learn some things from our military people. Do you know that when the commander-in-chief says do, they do? When the, when, the, when the ranking officer says go here, go there, go do this, go do that, guess what? 
they go. They don't. In fact, if they get up in their commanding officer's face, well, why would we go? Guess what? <laughs> They're having some problems. They're having some problems. Uh, you know, they, they, they're doing some issues. You know, there, there's there, consequences. Well, guess what? When you come into Christ, you've been initiated into the army of God. And your commander-in-chief is the Lord Jesus. Amen. And your, and your, your uh, uh, I forget what it, he's got the book. Anyways, they get a book with all the rules and regulations and all of that. Guess what? This is that book. This is that book. Tells you how to operate. Tells you how to do your life. That's what this book is. Uh, he said, um, verse 10, let's, let's read uh, verse 12. He says, for I neither received it of men, neither was I taught it by God, uh, by, by revelation of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the gospel, the word that we preach. I don't preach the word because I was taught it in some school. Now, I could have gone to school. In fact, I'm, I'm sincerely looking at doing, getting a theology degree. Sincerely looking at it. I'm just waiting for God to give me the approval. But I didn't end up in the pulpit by going to school. Now, and, and if you, it, a lot of ministers do. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's the way God leads you. But in our circumstance, in our situation, what God said is, I want you 100% Holy Ghost taught and trained. And so we had a mentoring pastor that mentored us and taught us, and he, and he taught us how to get revelation out of the Word. He taught us who to follow, what teachings and things. And, and, but honestly, what we preach doesn't come from something that a man has taught us. It comes from the Spirit of God. And you've got to, and there's no, and God's no respecter of persons. If God's given us revelation, wisdom, and knowledge, he'll give it to you. You just have to ask for it. You just have to ask for it. On that note, we're going to bounce around a little bit. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to look at verse 17 through 19. Really, all the way to the end is the prayer that Paul prays over believers. But I just want to look for today, for sake of time, I just want to look at these verses 17, 18, and 19. Ephesians 1, 17, 18, and 19. That the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word, who believe according to the working of his mighty power. It would do you very well to write down these three verses and pray them over yourself multiple times a day, every day. Kenneth E. Hagin said this. He said, by the unction of the Holy Ghost, you know, and, and he's known as the father of the faith movement, uh, of the Word and Spirit, uh, because he got great revelations of the Word, and he taught the Word uh, very well, and, and we've learned a lot from him. That's why we've got so much of his writings out there is because there's a lot. Now, let me make this very clear. We do not follow the man, Kenneth E. Hagin. We follow the revelations that came through him. Jesus Christ came and met with Kenneth E. Hagin multiple times face to face. 
How much do you know we ought to pay attention to what Jesus told him in those visitations? And that's what we do. We taught we the the revelations that Kenneth E. Hagin got from the Word. That's what we're looking at. And he said this about this prayer. He said he got he just he had been he had been preaching. I think something like twelve years preaching. He grew up as a Baptist boy preacher by his own confession. Grew up as a Baptist boy preacher, just preaching, just pre- preaching what he had heard in church, preaching what he'd been taught in the Word, just preaching and preaching and preaching. But he, something just didn't seem right to him. Something just seemed off to him. Oftentimes he would say it this way. He often felt like he was washing his feet with his socks on. Just something seemed off. So he, he lived in the parsonage, parsonage right next door to the church, and he told his wife, Aretha, he said, I'm going to the church to pray. Don't send the kids when it comes about supper time. I know about what time we normally eat. If I don't come, just go ahead and feed the kids. It's all right. But he got over in that church, and he started praying. And he was praying, and he was seeking the Lord. And he said this. He said, he, now, understand, we don't pray repetitive prayers. If we believe the Lord for something, we pray one time, we ask, we believe in faith that we receive it, and we rejoice that we have it, and we continually praise until we get it. Because you ask in faith. If you're asking repeatedly, then you're not in faith. But there's certain things that you can't, there are certain things that you can pray for on a continual basis because it's something that can be continually renewed. Your knowledge of God can be continually renewed. Your revelation of the word can be continually renewed. Your understanding of God is something that can continually grow. So this is a prayer that can be prayed repeatedly. So he got to where he was praying this, and he said this. Everywhere it said, where Paul said you, he just inserted the word I. So he said, Father, let's go to verse, go, go to verse 17 first. He said, Father... God, he said, Father God, the, or Father God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, or the knowledge of him, keep going, that the eyes of my understanding be enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, Jesus did not have, we are, many people will read um, that part about the inheritance. I'll explain that in a minute, but let me finish this. But what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward me who believes and according to the working of his mighty power? Dad Hagen said that he had prayed that prayer probably somewhere in the vicinity of about a thousand times. Over himself. Over himself. He just kept praying that prayer, kept praying that prayer, kept praying that prayer, kept praying that prayer over himself, probably somewhere in the vicinity of about a thousand times, and all of the sudden, revelation hit. All of the sudden, the word opened up to him like it was alive, and things that he thought he knew about God, he said, I didn't know anything like I thought I did. It completely transformed his preaching. In fact, he went to his wife, Miss Aretha, and said, Miss Aretha, he said, honey, he said, I don't know what's wrong with my, what, he said, 
According to what I've been preaching, the deacons should have told me to come in out of the rain. In other words, it just was just not scriptural. It was full of doubt and unbelief. He was preaching a lot of doubt and unbelief. He said the scriptures just came alive to him. Well, I did the same thing. Now, I didn't just sit there one day and just say this about a thousand times, but I had this scripture because my prayer closet, I had the wet prayer closet, you know, the shower in the morning, that's my private time. That's my place where I can get quiet with the Lord. Well, I had taken that, I've taken this ver- this prayer, the one in Colossians we'll talk about in a minute, and I had lam- printed them up in big print and laminated them and put them on my bathroom, on my shower wall. So that as I laid in the tub, resting and soaking and, you know, spending time with the Lord, that word was in my face. And I just prayed that scripture over and over and over and over and over and over. Pull out my pull out my phone from time to time and just read it over myself. Pray it over myself. I told the Lord, Lord, I've asked for knowledge. You told me in the book of James I could ask for knowledge, and I've asked for knowledge. Now, Lord, I'm asking you to give me a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of knowledge, a spirit of revelation, because the word is alive and the word is spirit. Jesus is the word made flesh. And so this is one way that you can begin to grow your Christian walk is, and get the words to transform from words onto a page to the living word of God on the inside is begin to pray this prayer over yourself. Go to Colossians chapter 1. We're just, we're just going to kind of pick and choose here a little bit. Colossians chapter 1. Paul prayed a very similar but not exactly the same prayer in Colossians 1. Now, I said this about the inheritance in the saints. I've heard it preached that Jesus had an inheritance. That Jesus had an inheritance. No, what that inheritance is in the saints is, is we have an inheritance because of Christ. Because of him, we have the inheritance. And we need wisdom and knowledge to know what that inheritance is. Jesus is seated on the throne with the, at the right hand of the Father, and we're seated with him, which means part of our inheritance is the authority of heaven. Part of our inheritance is the wealth of heaven. Part of our inheritance is that there's no sickness or disease in heaven, so there should be no sickness or disease in us. That's all part of the inheritance. But uh, Colossians chapter 1, let's pick up here in verse 9. And let's look at this prayer that Paul prayed. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. So this is a prayer that Paul and the other brethren were praying every day for the other believers. Pastor Mike and I pray this prayer and the other prayer over you guys also very regularly. And to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Do we pray this? So pray this for yourself. Father, I pray and I desire to be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that I might walk worthy of you, the Lord, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Father, strengthen me with all might according to his glorious power and to all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. For I give thanks 
unto you, which has made me to be a partaker in the inheritance of the saints of light. You can pray this over yourself repeatedly, and God will begin to cause this to come to pass in your life. He'll begin to bring these things to, to, to light in you. Let's go back to um, Galatians. A couple more things I want to point out in Galatians. And we're not going to we're not going to uh, get all of this by any means, but we can get a good chunk of it. Um, look at chapter two, verse four. Here, Paul tells us to be careful of something. A problem that they had at the time of of Paul's and, and Paul's day is the Jewish people had lived under Old Testament covenant for thousands of years. And they were follow, and they were they were law followers. They followed the Old Testament law, okay, which meant that they believed that you know they had to be they had to be the men had to be circumcised. They could only eat certain foods. They had to do certain rituals with washing their hands and all this before they ate. Like there was a lot of ritual law that they had to follow. Well, now because of Christ, the Gentiles are now able by faith or the rest of the world is a good way to say it, uh, is by faith is able to come into fellowship with the Father God. Well, the Jews, having a mindset of religious tradition, were trying to get the new believers to begin to do these religious traditions. We face this in our world today. When you come into Christ, when somebody finds out that you're a new believer, if they're not careful, they're going to try to put their religious behaviors over onto you. They're going to, they're going to tell you, oh, our, our denomination has it right. That denomination has it wrong. You have to take communion every single service. You have to do this. You have to do that. So though we're not under the same extreme pressure, the principle still applies. And look at what he says in verse, chapter 2, verse 4. And that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. So what was happening is they were getting around talking to other Christians. Listen, now you don't have this quite so much anymore because a lot of your Christian bookstores have closed, but you could go into the Christian bookstore because, oh, we're all Christians, oh, we all believe. Before you know it, you get yourself entangled. If you just start being friendly and talking to somebody, you'll get yourself entangled into a mess, and you're thinking, what in the world kind of God are they following? You, it, it just happens. Uh, it'll still happen in other places, but that was super common. But uh, you think, oh, gosh, oh, ooh, ooh, wow. You know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do communion every week, and I gotta pray six times a day, and I gotta read through my Bible every year, and I gotta do this. And I gotta, oh gosh! So what was happening in that church is there were Jews that were coming in, that were claiming to believe in Christ, and they were coming in and they were talking all Christianese to the new believers, and then they were then they were trying to get them over into religious law. And but because, oh, because they have a cross on, they're a Christian. Do not be deceived by that cross. Amen. <laughs> Don't be deceived. Just because somebody's got a cross around their neck, that may. Or they got a nice pretty cross on tattoo on their arm. That don't believe. Don't be 
said, oh, baby, they believe in Jesus. Listen, I thank God for the cross, but the cross was a sinner's death, was a criminal's death. That cross don't keep the devil away from you. The devil don't think nothing about that cross. It was his, it was his, it was his torment and torture to begin with. So don't think just, oh, they, oh, they got a cross on there, a Christian. You better look at their fruit. You better look at their life. You better look at them. But see, they weren't doing that. Warning. So he's warning. He's, and why were, they do, why were they doing that? To bring you back into religious bondage. You know, one of the three, <laughs> Pastor Mike and I were out of church for 12 years, and one of the reasons I didn't want to go back is because I thought religious bondage. As I thought, when you went to church, you had to dress in the dress and the pantyhose and the, you know, and all, you you know, like what it was. Anyways, and above all, you better put on the Barbie smile. That car pulls in that parking lot, you better. And this is where you stayed. We go into Sunday school service, and we go into the long service, and then we go into fellowship afterwards. And then we're just gonna stand around and talk for a while, and we're gonna have our Barbie smile on, and then you get in the car and you go, oh my god! <laughs> I thought that was rule, man. I thought, boy, you better do it that way. So when I went to, so, when I thought mom was in a cult, when I thought mom was in a cult, and I was sure to get her out of there, I thought, well, I'm gonna set these religious people on fire. I had been in a car accident. Couldn't get myself dressed very well, so it was all I could wear anyways. But I thought, I'm going to set these religious people on fire. Here I come. Flip-flop, sweatshirt, T-shirt, hair down, and I ain't smiling. You can forget it. You don't like me because i got a growl on my face? Too bad. I've been baptized in prune juice, and I'm going to like it. How much you know? Little Miss Christine, sweetest lady, sat on the back row. That was her assignment. Miss Christine, assignment from heaven, sit on the back row, and no matter how somebody growls at you, no matter how much you growled at her, she just give you a big old hug. I love you. Sweet and kind. No, you wanted a hug from her. She's so sweet and kind, and she just didn't care. She Every time. And you just melt. There was just an anointing on her. You just melted. You're like, ooh, a puddle. I mean, you know, assignment from heaven. No, don't get into religious bondage. And that's what this talks about here. Is he, it was Paul's warning. Don't get into this bondage. Don't do that. Look at verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. You are not justified. You are not made right because you're a good person. There's a lot of people. Don't stone me. Let me check. Anybody got stones in their hands? I think I'm okay. Let me check. Maybe some flower petals. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> You better put that thing down in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Listen, there's a lot of good people that do good works. Listen, there's a lot of good people that I'm sorry to say, and some of my relatives are some of them, they'll give you the shirt off their back, but if they don't make Jesus between now and, their, and, and when they step over into eternity, those good works aren't going to do a darn thing for them. They're going to go down into the grave and they're going to go to hell. Because you're not justified and brought into Christ by good works. Good works will not get you into heaven. Now, 
Does that mean that we don't have to do good works? No, we do good works because good works are attached to your reward. And you want your reward. You want your crown. You want your jewels. You want your reward. You want your mansion. And those works are your fruit. Those works are your fruit. How are we supposed to tell someone's a Christian? By By their fruit. fruit. If they're not producing any fruit. But that good work work ain't going to get you in. He said, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, but by the... But by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You can go back and live under the Old Testament law and live it perfectly. And you're still not going to make heaven. Because you've got to make heaven through Christ. So when you know that you know that you know that you're heaven bound, it's not because of anything that you've done. It's because of everything that he's done. Amen. And because of everything that he's done... Then we have the responsibility to do good works. Then we have the responsibility to put on the good fruit. Go to chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We can stop off in 3 and talk about Jesus redeeming us from the curse. And we're probably going to bounce in when these, I think, I don't know. The Lord's talking to me about a lot of subjects lately. I'd like to say we're going to spend some time in these books, but I don't know. So if we don't spend time in these books, get in these books. And if you hit a spot that you have a question, come ask me. I'll be happy to talk to you about them. Just have some time. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Chapter 5, verse 1. Look at what he says. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Excuse me. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Listen, Jesus said, you are totally free to do anything that you want to do. We're totally free to do anything we want to do. We can go do anything we want. But if you go back, if you go, if I go rob the bank, how much you know I'm going to jail? I'm going to bondage. How much do you know? If I go back into alcohol, if I go back to drinking alcohol, I'm going back into bondage. How much do you know? If I go out just having sex any old way I want to have sex, how much do you know I'm going back into bondage? Not trying to draw mental pictures. I'm just saying. I can go do whatever I want to do. That's true. But I'm going to go back into bondage because Satan's going to have his hand on me. And if I stay in that bondage long enough, I'll eventually deny Christ. Eventually deny Christ. And so he said, stand fast. I'm a Christian. This is the way a Christian lives. This is the way a Christian behaves. And I'm not doing anything to put myself back into bondage. Amen. I'm not going back there. I know what it's like back there, and I ain't going back there. I ain't going over there. No, sir, Bob, you can't pay me enough money to go back over there. No. Now, jump to verse 16. Lord Jesus, I got four minutes. Don't let me get stuck. Right. Lord Jesus, we're going to read from 16 on down to about 25. Oh, boy. Come on. Come on. I'm not going to get stuck. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Y'all pray for me. This (laughs) this I say then, walk not in the Spirit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Walk not in the Spirit. Or walk in the Spirit. I'm sorry. My bad. We done messed it up. We done stuck. We on verse 1 and we done stuck. Walk in the Spirit. Come on. Right. Yep. I was I, I pulled the knot from the next line and put it up there. But Walk anyway. in the <laughs> this, spirit. Let me try that again. 
This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What is the Spirit? What is the Spirit? The Spirit is the real you. The Spirit is the part of you that is alive unto God. The Spirit is the part of you that's going to live for eternity. The Spirit is on the that Spirit on the inside is is God is the real you, and and that's and your Spirit's connected directly to God. You got a a red phone hotline to Him, and your Spirit. A lot of times we say, "My gut, my conscience, just something." There, there's something down something on, on the, the inside. inside. That something ain't a something. That something is you, the real you. And so you walk according to the spirit. You don't walk according to your thinking. You don't walk according to your emotions. You walk according to that spirit. You go, you go <laughs> to the grocery store, and you're in a hurry, and all the lines are busy, and your flesh is getting stirred. But on the inside, there's something that just says, calm down. That's the spirit. That's that spirit. You're on the road. You're driving. Somebody cuts you off, and you just want to run them flat over. You hit the rocket launcher button. But something on the inside says, calm down and back off. That's the spirit. You go get your groceries, and you load them all up in your car. You don't walk six miles through that stupid store, and you're tired. And you put all your groceries in the buggy, and the buggy thing's full, and you can't get your buggy anywhere. And so you decide, oh, I'm just going to stick it in the empty car, in the empty space next to me. And something on the inside says, go put it away. That's the spirit. That's the spirit talking to you. That's your spirit. We walk according to that inward witness. Amen. We're going to try. We're going to make it. Okay. For the flesh lusteth, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do things that ye would. He's pushing me. He's now you can go me. on. He's pushing me. Pushing me. Listen, I got news for you. Yeah, Petra had that old song, Jekyll and Hyde. You know, you remember old Jekyll and Hyde? You know, the doctor's all nice and calm, and then, oh, here comes old Mr. Hyde. Ah, I'm going to eat your lunch. Guess what? You got the same problem on the inside. You got the same. Because when you become born again, your spirit's alive, but your flesh is still your flesh. Your thinking is still your thinking. That same old you... Is still in the brain, but the brand new you is on the inside. You got to, by choice, put the old stupid stinking man in the grave. And when you first get born again, that that new you is just a baby. It's got to learn to walk and right. become strong, stronger than your flesh. Here's the deal: you're going to trip. Listen to me: you're going to trip, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, you're going to mess up. And yes, Jesus told you to go and sin no more. And sin is choosing to do wrong when you know to do right. But here's the reality. You're, whatever age you are, when you get born again, I was 27. I had 27 years of bad behavior to overcome. Some people have 50, 60, 70, 80, and even 90 years of bad behavior to overcome. That baby is brand new. That spirit on the inside is brand new. Now, that spirit, the more time you spend in the Word, the faster your spirit's going to grow. The more time you spend doing spiritual things, praying, reading your Bible, spending time meditating on the Word, the faster your spirit's going to grow. Your spirit does not grow at the same rate that your flesh grows. And, of course, if you're not trying to grow your spirit, 
your flesh is going to be ruling. Right. And it's going to get stronger and, and your flesh is going to get or your spirit's going to get weaker. So when you feel like you're at odds with yourself, you're in a war with yourself, you're normal. You're normal. Isn't that good news? You're normal. Well, how do I stop being at odds with myself? Spend time in the Word. More Word. More, more time in the Bible. More time praying. More time bringing your flesh under. More time bringing your flesh under. Keep going. All right. Verse 18. But if ye, if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery. fornication. Sex outside of marriage. Uncleanness. Well, more than that. He opened the door for me, y'all. He opened the door. He opened it. I opened it. Adultery is not simply, listen to me. The idea of adultery has gotten perverted. People today say, well, if I don't have intercourse, even though I'm married, I'm not committing adultery. No. If you're being intimate in any physical, emotional, or mental way with somebody other than your spouse, you're committing adultery. Not only that, but adultery, if you, if you study it out, the definition is, is breaking a covenant. That's right. That's between you or, and, and, they, and most, most of the time people refer to the covenant between the man and the wife. That's right. But it, be, it could be a covenant between you and God That's or right. you and your best friend. It, you it, can break. You can. And it commit. doesn't have to be. And it's not. And it doesn't necessarily mean sex. It just means you're breaking your promise that you made to God. Yep, you're being, or before God. You're being intimate with somebody other than who you have covenant to be intimate with. God frequently tells His people that we are that we commit adultery against Him. Frequently, fornication is every manner of sexual impurity. Immorality. It includes prostitution, male and female. It includes homosexuality, bestiality, bisexualism, gender issues. Anything that has to do with sexual perversion other than what God created it to be is fornication. Fornication also is anything that will draw you away from God and into idolatry, which is the worship of idols. Or so the worship of the physical flesh. Right. Uh, but it, so it's anything that will draw you away. Um, so fornicate. Uncleanness is the next, is, is a even deeper degree of being unclean and unworthy of God. Lasciviousness. Lasciviousness, take it to even another level. So when people say, well, God doesn't talk, Jesus didn't talk about uh, homosexuality, and he didn't talk about this issue, and he didn't talk about that, and just, you better go look these words up. Because Jesus talked about them a lot. That word inequity that Jesus used a lot, it includes all of these words. You better go look some words up. So any manner of uncleanness. All right. any, basically, it's anything that will separate you from God. Verse 20. Idolatry. Which is worshiping other, anything other than God. Witchcraft. That includes, witchcraft includes alcohol, Drugs, anything that will mess with your mind, anything that will intoxicate your mind, uh, manipulation, controlling others, anything like that uh, is witchcraft. Hatred. That's pretty easy. Hatred. Variance. Emulations. Wrath. Strife. Emulations. That, 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 that includes behaving in a way that you're not created to be. That includes that. Uh, it, it includes jealousy. Uh, in various degrees of anger. That, it's, not, it's not 
sin to get angry. It's sin to cause when you are so angry that it causes you to act ungodly. Because you'll notice, angry, getting angry is not listed here. Right. Wrath, however, is, which is violently angry. Right. Strife, which is stirring people to to wrath right. and hatred. Seditions, that's rebellion and mm. and talking about stuff to get people stirred Quitting up in people. rebellion. Heresies, that's talking about stuff that that's Not against true. what God said. That's right. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. Those are parties, partying, like crazy fleshy parties. And such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let, me be very, let me be very, very clear. Let me be very clear here. Paul is talking to believers. He's talking to Christians. And he's telling Christians, if this is your manner of lifestyle, don't be deceived. You're not going to make heaven. That's what he's saying. And it doesn't matter now, if you're born again. Let me clarify. And doing all these things. But let me clarify. The new born-again believer may have strongholds in these areas in their life. The new born-again believer may actively be in the midst of adultery. The new born-again believer may be actively involved in witchcraft. The new born-again believer may actively have a problem with anger. To, to the point that their anger gets out of control. The new born-again believer may, we, we fell into this category, may be people of partiers. You like to go party and drink and have a good time and just revelry. That's, and, and that's not who he's talking about. Because Paul is saying that these are the works of the flesh and you need to quit doing these things and you need to be led by the Spirit and the Spirit doesn't want to do these things, so you need to stop doing these things. God gives you the desire on the inside. In your spirit, you have the desire to stop. Now you need to learn how to put your spirit in control and stop these behaviors. If you're working on it, this scripture doesn't qualify. You don't qualify this scripture. However, that doesn't make it acceptable. However. you're working on it. But there are Christians today that are like, I can drink, I can party, I can have sex whoever I want to have sex with, I can do whatever I want to do, I can live any way I want to live, and Jesus is my homie, and I'm heaven bound. That, no, 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 no. That's, he said, those that do this shall not inherit the kingdom of God. We, have, we brought that CD, how do I know I'm a Christian? There should be a change. There should be a marked change in your life. People should look at you and say, you're different. My own family looks at me and says, you are not who you used to be. And some, Woo, Praise Jesus. And, and some people, when they get saved, they're going to change overnight. Instant. It's, it's going to be simple time. for them. It's going to be easier. And some of them, they're going to have to work at it. And, okay. and, and, and so some people have strongholds in their lives that they have to defeat. But, the, but now... Now, don't don't get all upset because God has the next the next yeah, verse. God has given us help for this. That's right. I'll give you this example. When it came to drinking, as soon as I saw in the Word that a believer should not be drinking, as soon as I saw a Christian should not drink, I stopped. 
I was done. Alcohol did not touch my mouth one more time. Oh. I was done. Not me, though. Not him. <laughs> it took him quite some time. Years. And then it got, and it was a step by step. First he said, well, you're right, I shouldn't be drinking in public. And I wasn't an alcoholic. I just <laughs> liked to drink. Then it got to, well, I shouldn't drink at home. Because I shouldn't, because what if somebody sees me buying it and that's not a good look, I'm a Christian, blah, blah, blah. And then it got to, because he was a firefighter and it's expected that after you fight fire all day that you uh, go to the bar and unwind to get some dinner and you have some drinks. That's expected. So then it got to, well, when I'm out of town with my firefighter buddies, I'll have a drink or two. But then the Lord grabbed a hold of him one day and said, well, why'd you quit smoking, why'd you quit drinking at home? And he said, well, Lord, because it doesn't look good. He said, I did it for you. And he said, do you not know that I'm with you everywhere you go? And, God, and in that moment, that was it. It was done. But see, God gave him time because he was working in other areas. So that's why I say, if, you know, new believers don't get oh, freaked out. But if my brother Derek here, who's been sitting in my church with me since he was in the sixth grade, and he's now a biblical adult, if I find out he's, this is his lifestyle, ooh, we're having to come to Jesus meeting, and it's not going to be a good day for you. Because he's had time. Because he's had time. Keep reading. All right. So I said there was help for overcoming these things. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, or patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, which is self-control, which is self-control. Against such, there is no law. So if we operate in the fruits of the Spirit, these things are going to help us to stop doing the other things. So here's a good way to put this into action in your life. Well, Pastor, I've got this Jekyll and Hyde syndrome. I've got some of these issues in my life. I just, I mean, we, you, you taught us a lot today, and I just don't even know where to start. My head is hurting. I'm going to help you. Number one, choose to submit to God, resist the devil. Number two, choose to be a doer of the word. Number three, put the word to work for you. Let's put this verse to work for you. This is how I did it. I So what's the first one they tell you to do? Love. Love. If you start walking in love towards your fellow man, you start loving your man as yourself, meaning however I love myself, I need to love you at least that much. But that can be a problem for a new believer because a lot of new believers don't love themselves. Right. And so, some of them are hooked up in all this sexual stuff, so they're thinking, oh, I'm supposed to love you. No, 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 no that's so not what I said. So let's start right here. <laughs> let's start right here. Write these down. Love, joy, peace, rather than long-suffering, say patience. Gentleness, goodness, say faithfulness instead of faith. Faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Write them down on a piece of paper. Put them in your pocket and begin to confess them every day. I walk in love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. And meditate on them. If you're not sure what each one of these is, look it up. Look up what the words mean. And not just in the dictionary, because the dictionary has changed a lot since some right. of us were kids. Right. You know, because look it up in the, in the Bible. But your spirit, But here's the deal. The spirit knows what love is. 
The Spirit knows what joy is. The Spirit knows what patience is. The Spirit knows what these things are. So here's where I started. I put them on a piece of paper, and I committed them to memory. And I just would walk. I, as I went through my house, as I walked through my day, as I did the dishes, I mowed the lawn, whatever, I was driving the car, whatever, I would just say, I walk in love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. And yet, I walk in love, joy, just, I just repeated it. Our words are powerful. And as we confess them, and we, we become to believe them, and, we, and it gets inside of us, our words are powerful. Yes. But we also need to meditate on this stuff, which is what I was going for. Well, and that's what, exactly what I was doing. That's meditating. Meditating is to say it over and over and over and over again. I walk in joy. I walk in love, joy, peace, patience, good, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. I walk in love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, uh, Faithfulness, Faith. meekness, and self-control. I go. walk in, and I just keep saying it, and saying it, and saying it, and saying You have what you say. I kept saying it, and saying it, and saying it, and saying What was I doing? I was washing my brain. I put my brain on the wash cycle, and I was washing my brain. I walk in love, joy, pace, patience, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faithfulness, self-control. I walk in. And I mean, I literally, you would see me do this. I walk in, I mean, like I'm counting on my fingers. I walk in love, joy, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Like, I, oh, that's all mine. Okay. I walk in love. I walk in joy. I walk in patience. I walk in, what am I doing? I'm washing my brain. I'm running it over and over and over and over and over and over. I was prevent, and guess what? As I'm saying it, the devil can't talk to me. The devil can't talk to me as I'm saying it because I'm thinking it. I, so, so I'm shutting up. So I'm, what am I doing? I'm resisting the devil. I'm resisting the devil. So I'm saying it, and I'm saying it, and I'm saying it. And eventually one day, said, eventually one day God said, what is self-control? Well, I don't know, Lord. <laughs> don't you think you ought to look that word up? Oh, okay, Lord, let me go get the dictionary. Uh, uh, that means that I, I don't like that word, Lord. Oh, well, you need to start practicing. Okay, Lord. Okay, you got self-control down. Good, okay. Uh, now, let's talk about uh, uh, being patient. Oh, Lord Jesus, don't pass God to give you patience. He'll make you a youth minister. He'll give you a youth minister. He'll make you a youth minister. He's going to put you in a position. What, are we, what am I talking about? I'm talking about developing the character of God, developing the spirit. So what you need to do, this is, what, this is the word of the Lord for the year. Here's the word. Are you ready? Here's the word. Spend much time in, gen in, in GEPC. Develop the character of God. Now remember. Develop the character of God. Remember earlier we said you can t that you can't, just because a, a person's wearing a cross or they go to church doesn't necessarily mean they're a Christian. Nope. You tell they're a Christian by their fruit. By their fruit. So right here, right here in by verses 19, 20, and 21, you see the, you see the fruits of the flesh. Yep. In verse 22 and 24, well, in verse 22, you see the fruits of the Spirit or the fruits that show that you're a Christian. Yeah. So if, if, if you pay attention to people, what they say, what they do, what their, what their works are, then you're going to be able to tell after a little while what their fruit is. Right. Because, they're, because if it's inside of them, it's coming out. If, it, if it's inside of them, eventually it's going to come out and you're going to see it and you're going to hear it. 
and 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 you're going to see what, they, what they're doing. We don't judge the person. No, we judge the work. No, and 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 honestly, they could be in the same boat you're in. They're working. They're on working it. on it. Okay. We have not. We're not perfect. We're not. We're not giving up on them. But 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 if somebody is confess, but but you want to follow the ones that are closer to being to being that perfected person. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to follow the person the, the the brand new Christian who's who's got a whole big mess going on over here. And if you're following him, you both end up off the off the yeah. train. Yeah. You both end up yeah. rowing downstream instead of upstream. Yeah. Yeah. You want to you surround yourself with people that are of the same faith level or higher than you, because that's going to bring you up. Well, praise the Lord. So, we are over on time. The last verse going. that she wanted to say was verse 24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So they've crucified. Once we become, once we, the closer we get to being perfected, the more we're going to crucify the flesh, the less we're going to see 19, 20, and 21 in our lives. Crucifying is a cutting away of a very, cutting away something that is a very, very, um, delicate area in your life. Yeah, if you go Say to it the, that way. If you go the Say way they way. did it back in the, in, Say in the Jews. Say it that way. If you times. think about what, a, what what circumcision truly is, it's where it's where we literally cut away something that that's very uh has a lot of emotion and feeling and things like that. It's very very tender. Very Crucifying delicate. the flesh means that you're going to cut something out of your life that's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to pull at your emotions. It's going to deal with your emotions. You know, I said I quit drinking. I just told somebody the other day, I said for a long time, every time I go sit down, the re- sit down at the restaurant, I, you know, first thing they hand you is the alcohol menu. And for a long time, I'd grab that thing and I'd look at it and peruse it and go, oh, man, that looks, I think I'm getting, and all of a sudden the spirit would go, what are you doing? And i go, oh, yeah, oh, I'm a cra- I can't, I'm just like, Nobody, did anybody see me do Yeah. Now I'm like, don't, don't even put that on my table. Don't even, I don't care. And whatever. Took time. Well, glory to God. Tithes and offerings. Praise the Lord. It's good to give in the house. Glory to God. We'll have your statements out to you this week for last year. Glory to God. Uh, it's good to give a tithe. A tithe is a tenth of, your in, of all your increase and offering. Is anything above the tithe? Uh, when you tithe, you allow God to uh, help you to rebuke the devourer. You keep Satan off your back, basically, when you tithe, um, and it allows God to, you know, bless you and keep you. There are things such as there's a thing called tithers' rights when we're tithers. Um, God can cause our stuff to last longer and go farther than we could ever think or imagine. And then when you give over the ten percent, that's an offering. And that's where your abundance comes from. The Amen. abundance comes from. Uh, and honestly, it's not about getting money out of you for Michael and I because currently, although we believe that's going to change, currently we don't take an income from the church. Um, we, everything that comes into the ministry goes right back into the ministry. It goes right back into taking care of our people, taking care of the church, getting word out to so the word in the house so we can get word out to people. Um, so... Uh, that that's where we're at currently. Eventually, in time, uh, we will take a salary, uh, and by doing that, what that will allow us to do is spend even more time in the Word. Look out. You'll need steel-toed shoes then. 
No, glory to God. We do get to spend a good amount of time in the Word now. Uh, but that's what it is. And so uh, if you'll bless the offering. And when you sow a seed. Now listen. When you sow a tithe. When you sow an offering. Believe for an increase. Believe for increase. And if you don't have a tithe to sow or a seed to sow. Believe for a seed. Because God wants you prosperous. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for being here with us today and we thank you for giving us the word that helps us to draw closer to you and to become more like you lord we 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 thank you for teaching us about the fruit and how we're supposed to operate in it and teaching us about the things we're not supposed to be doing and and showing us how we can overcome those things how with you we can overcome all things lord we just love you and we thank you that you have patience with us and you have mercy on us and that you are there for us and that you will help us to to walk in the way that you would have us to walk, that you will light the very path under our feet and you will take us right where we need to go at just the right time and the right place. Thank you, Lord, Father. we just love you. And we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give into your kingdom. Blessed down, we ask that you bless it for the work, the, for the work of your kingdom here on earth and that it be blessed, uh, pressed together, pouring over, and more than we could ever ask, hope, or think. Thank that you, it go farther to doing your work than we could even imagine. Thank you, Father. And we thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, And, Father. Lord, we're just going to go Father. forth, and we're going to do your work, and thank we're going to spread Father. your word, and we're going to tell, tell the people uh, how great our God is. Glory to God. how wonderful he thank is you, and all the great things he does for us. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you. Thank in you, Jesus Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Satan, we command you to take your hands off the people's finances. Cause increase to come. Release everything that you have for them, that you have of theirs. Angels, go out. Cause increase to come to them in every area of their finances. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. amen. Father, I thank you for that great increase coming into our life. In Jesus' mighty name, glory to God. Well, we got service tonight at 6, healing school. We'll do prayer at 5 for those that want to come to prayer. Um, and then uh, Wednesday, we're back to regular services for another week or two. And then we'll start foundation school. And other than that, we're dismissed.